0: Act Two, We, 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 all the way home. Scene One. Woolly Monastics. Juniata River Bend, twelve miles northwest of Tuscarora Mountain, Spy Woden's Day Prime, early morning, fifth of April, twelve eighty four. Itemissa missa est. Concludes the white-robed inquisitor Sheen. His eyes convey sincere piety, but also carry a war-weary pluck of worldly pragmatism. Having celebrated Mass on a tree stump, he reads out the psalms from his breviary to three odd-looking friars. Several rangers who attended the Inquisitor's Mass stand up and ready their gear for another day's march. Sir Kip Carlson, the only halfling ranger in the company, remarks to his companions, "'First time in my life I get to hear the Bible every day.'" "'Yeah, almost heaven.'" replies Dame Frances Marion, the only female ranger in the company. She surveys the area with one hand on her brow. We'll need all the prayers we can get. See the blue streaks on those mountain ridges across the Juniata River? Those are goblin territorial markings, older than the trees. They'll be lurking behind us soon enough. Sir Robert Roger did not attend the mass, but comes striding over quickly and barks, Get ready, priest. We have a long march ahead of us today. Thank you, Sir Ranger. My companions and I will finish reciting the Psalms shortly, replies the Inquisitor. Oddly for this epoch, his three companion friars are mismatched in color, but they are all even more oddly mismatched in their backstories. The Inquisitor himself is a somewhat tallish dwarf, a hair above five feet tall, conventionally handsome by any standard, with a plain but dignified gray beard. His white robes signify membership in the Dominican order of preachers. His first companion, Brother Umbert, is an unusually short halfling Franciscan friar, a gnome of mixed Lutton and Folletto ancestry, standing barely three and a half feet tall. He wears reddish-brown robes. The halfling serves as the Inquisitor's scribe, traveling magic culture and scholar of ancient lore. The Inquisitor's second companion, Brother Indigo, is a giant from the Mohawk Nation, standing an inch over seven feet high. Missing his right arm and wearing a patch over his right eye, he is dressed in the purplish-grey robes of the Tyronesian Order. His role as porter technically makes him the spokesman for the group, but his actual job is more eloquently summed up in the bulging muscles on his left arm and the huge club tucked just beneath it. The Inquisitor's third companion, Brother Crow, is an average height English human monk wearing the black robes of the Benedictine Order. He serves as the group's cook and purser, At one time, a thief himself, he guards the group's purse from his former colleagues. Brother Crow's transition from the streets to the monastery was not a smooth one, but thanks to patient mentorship, this man's talents now serve the Lord well. The four clerics of the Inquisition, though different in so many ways, stand together firmly. Sir Robert Roger fumes. We don't have time to wait around for you to babble on with your prayers. We have to cover ground quickly to avoid the goblin wild hunters lurking in these forests. Brother Umbert interrupts them. Excuse me, Sir Robert Roger, but you always seem to rush us when it's time to pray, saying that we have to avoid goblins, but I don't think you even know where the goblins are. Brother Umbert's balding head retains only a thin wisp of bright red hair that dangles in the middle of his forehead, but it is enough to call him a fiery redhead. Gnomes average about four and a half feet in height, but a philetto, a gnome from the island of Sicily, normally only reaches about four feet when full-grown. At three and a half feet, one might say that being extra short among a tribe of extra short people has added an extra layer of spunk to Brother Umbert's temper. "'Of course I do! Just follow those country roads and they'll be all over you, lickety-split!' Sir Robert Roger waves his hand off to the south. Brother Umbert rubs his chin. Mm, "'All my memories tell me we've been heading down those same country roads for the past two days. If I didn't know better, I'd say you're leading us right to them.' Inquisitor Sheen raises his voice. "'That's quite enough, Brother Umbert. I am sure the Rangers have an adequate defensive plan in place.' How many more days before we reach the elf settlement, Sir Ranger? Don't worry, priest. I'll get you to the place you belong, Sir Robert Roger mutters. Brother Umbert pipes up again, his face turning red. You know what I think? I think you have no idea where Tuscarora Mountain really is. Sir Robert Roger shoots back. The whole point of a hidden elf colony is that it's hidden. You don't just walk in the front doors over the welcome mat. They know how to keep outsiders out. So, you keep interrupting our prayers just so you can blow around like a breeze, hoping to stumble upon a hidden elf colony? Brother Umbert, silence! Inquisitor Sheen cuts him off. Turning to Sir Robert Roger, he says calmly, Sir Ranger, Johnny Appleseed has eluded us time and time again. We are eager to reach Tuscarora Mountain before he leaves, but prayer is essential to our mission. Please just tell us how you plan to get to the elf colony without being attacked by the goblins. Sir Robert Roger shrugs his shoulders. We'll send out scouts to pinpoint exactly where to head next. It's typical military strategy. Brother Umbert starts getting personal. Your knowledge of military strategy is quite shabby if you plan to send your troops out to get hacked apart by goblin lurkers piecemeal. Sir Robert Roger walks over to him and invades the halfling's personal space with his tall and muscular physique. For your information, Imp, I wrote the book on military strategy for rangers. Brother Umbert snarls, "'Yeah, I know. I read it, and I wasn't impressed. You think you're so smart, don't you? Let me put it this way. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates?' Sir Robert Roger narrows his eyes, "'You're a moron if you think you're smarter than those guys.' Brother Umbert pushes the tall ranger back, "'Yeah, well, this moron has read them all in the original Greek.' I even reconstructed Aristotle's second book of the Poetics from the fragments at the cemetery in Praga. Inquisitor Sheen steps in sternly. Whoa, that's quite enough out of you, Brother Umbert. How many times must I echo that warning from the Book of Proverbs? Pride comes before the fall. Instead of arguing about how smart you are, you should keep a humble silence. We're going to pray for guidance by the Holy Spirit to show us the way. Sir Robert Roger throws his hands up into the air with outrage. "'Oh, come on! This is ridiculous! We don't have time to waste with saying prayers! I am the military professional here, and I give the orders!' Inquisitor Sheen shakes his head and calmly replies, "'We are not military professionals, so we cannot risk a confrontation with goblins. When your scouts find a safe route to Tuscarora Mountain, we'll follow your lead. In the meantime, we'll plan on staying here and praying for God to send us guidance.'" Sir Robert Roger says, You go ahead and wait for a miracle. But as for me, I'm going to put my faith in a keen eye and sound military tactics. We'll see who gets us there first. The Name of the Crows The Inquisitor resumes reading the Psalms to his companions while Sir Robert Roger organizes teams of scouts to search for the elf colony. About an hour after the ranger scouting parties have departed, Inquisitor Sheen sends Brother Indigo, the mohawk giant in purplish-gray robes, to refill their water skins at the Juniata River. Once a famous warrior, Brother Indigo lost his right arm and right eye in battle. Lacking depth perception and having to relearn to handle a weapon with his left hand sent him into a deep depression until he turned to prayer. He realized the glory won by following warlords into battle in this life is of little worth compared to the glory of following Christ along the way of the cross into the next. That spiritual revelation pulled him out of his depression and led him to join the abbey of Tyrone near his home village of Asernanon. Years later, the abbot received orders from one of the Lord High Papal Inquisitors in Vinland, Maderno Cardinal Orsini, to release Brother Indigo from the Abbey to serve as porter for Inquisitor Sheen. Nobody had to guess why the Mohawk monk had been singled out for service. When he reaches the river, he puts the water skins down and dips them one by one under the water. A gray haired elf strolls up next to him and says, You don't want to be drinking out of the Juniata River. It's dark and dusty. I can show you some real potable water, blue as if it were painted on the sky. Without looking up, Brother Indigo says, I am a stranger to blue water. The elf kneels down to scoop a handful of water from the river and tastes the water with a big slurp. Mmm, I told you so. It's got that misty taste of moonshine, so bitter that it puts a teardrop in the eye. How about you give me a few biscuits from your pouch and I'll show you where the sweet water is. Ignoring him, Brother Indigo stands up and starts to tie the water skins together. The hungry old elf tugs on the sleeve of his only arm, begging silently. Brother Indigo asks him, "'Can you take us home?' "'And where might home be?' Brother Indigo says simply, "'Home is the place where you belong. We have plenty of food to share.' The gray-haired elf snaps his fingers. "'Come to think of it, these mountains remind me that I should have been home yesterday. All I need are a few loaves of bread, a slab or two of meat, and some cheese. Oh, it's been quite a while since I've had any cheese.' Instead of negotiating, Brother Indigo just picks up all four water skins and walks back to the camp. The elf takes fright seeing the armed rangers and runs off to climb a tree. Brother Crow hears the rustling in the trees and spots him immediately. With the excitement of an answered prayer, he points up with his finger and shouts out, An Elf! The Inquisitor's party follows his finger with their eyes up to the grey-haired elf, sitting on the branch of a large elm tree above the ranger's campsite, like a wise old owl ready to offer advice on taking licks at life. So you want me to take you to my home, the elf says in fluent English with a distinct elvish accent. Inquisitor Sheen smiles at him. Ah, welcome, Sir Elf. Yes, we are hoping to visit Tuscarora Mountain. The elf returns the smile like a merchant used to charming customers. Tuscarora Mountain, is it? Your purple-robed giant of a monk asked me about taking him to my home, but he never asked me where my home is. As a matter of fact, it is quite a chore to get him to say anything at all. The friars on my staff have taken a vow of silence. Brother Indigo is our porter, so he is allowed to offer introductions and extend words of greeting to guests. Giving Brother Umbert a dirty look, the Inquisitor adds, "'Unfortunately, he is the only one of our brotherhood with a penchant for silence.' The elf snickers. "'So he's a one-eyed, one-armed, giant purple people-greeter who doesn't like to talk?' Dame Frances Marion peers over her lunch and sees Inquisitor Sheen talking up into the trees. She spots the elf that managed to sneak past the rangers' lookouts. Alarmed at the security breach, she yells, "'To arms!' Hearing the call, the startled rangers drop their stew and scramble for their weapons. They lick the grease off the tips of their fingers, string their bows and notch their arrows, pointing them at the elf. Sir Robert Roger is outraged and shouts, Who let him in? Seeing all the fuss and the arrows pointed at him, the elf swings down from the elm tree and hits the ground with amazing agility for his age. He swiftly rolls behind Brother Indigo and begs, Please, Mr. Purple People Greeter, don't let them shoot me! Inquisitor Sheen is quick to respond. Sir Robert Roger, order your rangers to stand down. Sir Robert Roger snorts. It's just a short, pigeon-toed, undergrown elf. He's no threat to us. The gray-haired elf swaggers and struts over to Sir Robert Roger, as if he just won a bout of armed combat. You're not so tough. Seeing trouble brewing, Brother Crow hurriedly whisks the elf away from the ranger captain and offers him some stew. The elf takes the stew and gobbles it down as if he has not eaten in a week. Mmm, mmm, this sure is some fine eating. But that's not the reason I came down to land in your camp. I can guide this ragtag band of yours to the Tuscarora Elf Colony for a price. Can you pay? Well, bless the lord, my soul, Inquisitor Shane proclaims. You are the answer to our prayers. May I ask your name, kind sir? Master Shoemaker Gulliver Swiftson of Clan Adidasar, at your service. I can guide you to the Tuscarora Elves if you bag up some of this delicious stew for me and my party of adventurers over yonder. Inquisitor Sheen is more than happy to oblige. Indeed, this is our burser and our cook, Brother Crow. He will pack up some to bring to your friends. Much obliged, but what's a burser? An unremarkable man of average build, most people find Brother Crow's long, jet-black hair and grease-backed and thin goatee more creepy than charming. Even the way he wears his Benedictine robe with its large black cowl gives off the impression of a shadowy hood rather than a prayer shawl. Some habits die hard. Inquisitor Sheen explains, "'Our vow of poverty requires us to share all our wealth. As our bursar, Brother Crow carries the communal purse.' He handles the money and provisions for our brotherhood. Master Gulliver squints at the slick-haired burser, with the curly handlebar mustache and the pointy chin puff. He sure looks strange to me, Inquisitor Sheen adds. All the same, he is one of us. You and your party can share our food, and we will pay you a fair wage for acting as our guide. Now, can you take us to Tuscarora Mountain?' Well, the Tuscarora elves are a private people, says Master Gulliver as he gobbles down a second bowl of stew. Technically, it's against the law to lead an outsider in without a formal invitation from the Council of Perfects. But I think we can work something out. As my wife always says—actually, I hear her voice now. She's calling me. Gentlemen, i begging your pardon, but I must take my leave. I'll talk it over with her and let you know our answer in the morning. Brother Crow hands him a medieval doggy bag to carry out the stew. Master Gulliver bows and says— Much obliged, Frater. To celebrate the miraculous appearance of the elf, Inquisitor Sheen pulls out his rosary beads and invites the company to pray together in thanksgiving to the Lord for hearing their prayers. Sir Robert Roger interrupts the celebration abruptly. Okay, priest, your friar just unwittingly led an elf straight into our camp. We need to tighten up security and implement some new procedures if we are going to make it to Tuscarora Mountain alive. Brother Umbert, his face reddening with anger, speaks up instantly. "'You just saw how our prayers were answered. "'Instead of apologizing, you become even more insufferable.'" Sir Robert Roger puffs out his chest. "'So what about this vow of silence I keep hearing about? "'How's that working out for you, Brother Umbert?' Straightening his back, Brother Umbert squeaks out in his nasally, lisping tone, trying to sound assertive. "'You are a bully, and I have always made a point of standing up to bullies.'" No wonder it worked. At your height, they must have thought you were kneeling to them. Inquisitor Sheen intervenes. Brother Umbert! Brother Umbert looks back and forth from Inquisitor Sheen and Sir Robert Roger, as if struggling to control his temper, when suddenly his eyes bulge wide open. Ah, uh, Father Sheen? Brother Umbert, I order you to keep silence. But this is an emergency. What? You mean you have to relieve yourself in the woods? He stutters. No, too late for that. As the midsection of his brown robe trickles with a growing dark spot and yellow liquid drips down his legs, his lips quiver and he whimpers, Goblins! Everywhere!